fourth watch starts now. Everybody, you're listening to the Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. I hope everyone's having a blessed week. Tonight's going to be a special edition episode as we celebrate three years of the Fourth Watch. We're joined by BDK, and in the first hour, we'll be talking a little about the background and history of the show, the Great Commission, demonic interference, as well as having some fun analyzing the trolls and critics that we faced. Then, in the second hour, we'll be airing the vintage pilot episode of The Fourth Watch in its full raw format to celebrate. This is definitely an episode that has been made specially for all you Fourth Watchers out there, and I hope you enjoy. We've got a lot to cover, so let's go ahead and start the adventure. Submitted for the approval of The Fourth Watch Radio Network, I call this episode Fourth Watch three-year anniversary special. Well, it's officially Thursday, and that means it's officially time for the fourth watch. It is such a blessing to be back with you all, and we've got a great show on tap tonight. If you're a new listener, we're very grateful to have you tuning in, and we want to let you know that there's a brand new show posted every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard. Be sure to head on over to fourthwatchradio.com. That's F O U R T H W A T C H R A D I O.com. Fourthwatchradio.com. There you'll find show archives, links to our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, links to all of our websites, as well as a donate page that will show multiple ways you can help support the Fourth Watch Ministries. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes if that's your preferred method of listening. Also, a quick reminder, I'm only broadcasting the 4th Watch Thursday show every other week while I'm working on the upcoming film. But be sure to tune in to Omega Frequency with BDK, airing every Monday on the 4th Watch. Now, tonight we are joined by BDK for a very special edition of the 4th Watch. This is the three-year anniversary. Now, technically, it would have been on the 13th. Three years ago on the 13th, it was a Thursday. But you know how the things work with the clocks and the calendars and all that stuff. So it's actually... Three years. <laughs> VDK, are you there? Oh, I'm here, man. I'm here. What's I don't up, know if bro? I'm here, here, but I'm here. <laughs> yeah, BDK, you've been struggling with the uh, the mononucleosis. Am I saying that right? Sure. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's the three year anniversary of the Fourth Watch, and uh, it's. I, I just want to say it's it's such a blessing, and uh, here we are in the third year. And uh, we've got BDK on the network now, and uh, you know the Fourth Watch has seen some ups and some downs. Um, a lot of good spiritual ups, I should say that right off the bat, but we have had some issues over the years. And, um, when I first started doing the fourth watch BDK, uh, I, I was under a lot of demonic attack. Like I, I knew about the demonic and I had experienced it, but I didn't realize how heavy it was going to be when I actually started doing a podcast. And, um, you know, in my early years, I, I was doing mostly shows by myself. Like I, I didn't have guests on. And I, I say early years, like in the early year, I should say, because I, mm-hmm. I did start bringing guests on. But I was doing these shows and I, basically the early fourth watch was set up like documentary style where I was bringing in 
these various topics and I was just breaking them down, breaking my research down because I've been a researcher for many years. And um, by breaking down those topics and exposing what Satan was doing and what he is doing, the demonic attack began to literally, it was like a tidal wave coming into my home. Um, I mean, all types of, I mean, manifestations were happening. I've had things take over my television, things that the average person wouldn't even believe. But this is the type of, of spiritual attack, or if you want to call it demonic attack, uh, it's all spiritual warfare. But this is the kind of attack that was that was coming upon me once I started the fourth watch. And um, so when I say there's been ups and downs, I'm referring to the demonic attacks that have happened since I started the show. But I'm sure you can probably attest to some of those things for yourself, BDK. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like the other day I was talking with someone who was like, well, I don't know if God's really real. And I'm like, look, dude. Like, if I was worshiping Buddha right now, I would not be under the spiritual attacks that I'm under. It's like, if I was just, like, a Democrat, I wouldn't be getting put into the Phantom Book Facebook zone for the political things I say on my show. You know, it's like, yep. when you're a Christian, it's like all hell comes against you. And if God's not real, why is that, not hap- why is that happening, you know? So... I find it very odd that, like, when you stand for the good in the world, when you stand on the side of Christ, that's when all hell comes against you. You can be doing whatever you want on the opposite side, and, you know, you're not facing any of this spiritual attack. So, but that's good, because God, that means that God's real, and I love the fact that we serve a real God. Even if it comes with some downs, man, the downs are worth it, because, dude, like, I would be in totally worse shape. I was a sinner unsaved and going to hell, man. And the worst that can happen to any of us on this side of the world is we can step out of our bodies and step into the presence of God. So praise God for that, man. His mercies are new every morning, even if the mornings feel like the same old pile of garbage sometimes. No, it's true. It's true. But, you know, Jesus told Peter that Satan seeks to sift you like wheat. And, you know, many people just read over that passage and they're like, okay, yeah, Satan had it out for Peter. No big deal. You know, but it it is a big deal because the disciples were carrying out what the Bible calls the Great Commission. And I think it's important to understand that every Christian is called to the Great Commission and not to get on a soapbox here. But I want to make this point. A lot of Christians, they say, well, I've got this relationship with God, you know, but it's between me and him. Like, I don't need to talk about it with anybody. And I surely don't need to talk about it with you, Justin. It's none of your business. And I'm sitting back thinking, okay, well, it might not be my business in America, okay, with, you know, American law or what what have you, but spiritually it is my business because we are to be our brother's keeper. And there's so many scriptures in the New Testament about exhorting each other, you know, and lifting each other up, building each other up, holding each other accountable. And so the old cop out is, well, it's my personal relationship with God and it's really just between me and him and I don't need to, you know, I don't need to talk about it with anyone. And and part of that is true. It is your relationship between you and God, ladies and gentlemen. It is. Fact is, Paul says, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. You know, you're not working out your salvation necessarily out in the open. You know, when you are alone with the Lord, you've got to make sure you know him. But at the same time, it's important that we do hold each other accountable and that we do talk about our faith. And going further, the Great Commission Why do you think it's called the Great Commission? It's the greatest commission that was ever given to mankind. And it basically says that if you are going to be a follower of Christ, you need to go everywhere and share the gospel. Now, this doesn't mean you have to get in a boat or a plane and go to Africa, which, by the way, I think it's great for people to go on mission trips. 
Uh, we have some missionaries in our church that are in Africa right now, and it's awesome. But everywhere you go, if Christ is living in you, the Holy Spirit in you, then it's important that you share the gospel, and that is the Great Commission. And so sharing the Great Commission in and of itself is going to bring about certain types of spiritual warfare. And I think that the disciples had a an elevated version of that because not only were they sharing the gospel, BDK, but they were, you know, they were working miracles by the power of God. They were correcting the false teachings of their day. And they were holding, even the, the religious leaders, they were holding them to a high level of public scrutiny because of the false teachings. And we do believe that the, the religious leaders of that time were professing the Talmud, which is a false book. Even uh, many sects of Judaism today use the Talmud. It, it's not it's not holy or righteous at all. It's, it's satanic. But the bottom line here is, the disciples were under constant spiritual attack, whether it be demonic entities or um, different types of warfare they faced. But a lot of it that we see in the scripture is man was rising up against them. And these men that were rising up against them, they were being guided by these demonic spirits. And that's the thing we have to understand is that in this physical world, a lot of the troubles that come our way, generally speaking, we're dealing with things happening in the spiritual realm, affecting the physical realm. And that's why Paul says it's not the flesh and blood that you wrestle with. It's the principalities. And so it's it's important to understand that when you are taking on this role in the body of Christ, you're sharing the Great Commission, you're exposing evil, you're teaching the Word of God, full the fullness of the Word of God, I should say, not just the happy little segments that make people feel like a Hallmark card. But when you do this, you rightly divide the Word of God, you share the Great Commission, you expose wickedness, you're going to be under spiritual attack. But I think back to Moses. And uh, I forget what chapter in Hebrews this is. I think it was it Hebrews 10 or 11. But it talks about Moses, you know, suffering the reproach of Christ. Like he chose to go God's way instead of accepting the riches of Egypt. And that kind of paints a little bit of a picture of what you were just talking about, BDK, because it's like, okay, there are people in this world that are rich and famous and they don't have the same types of attacks that we have. Now, granted, they do have their own types of demons, granted, but they're not constantly under the type of attack that, say, the Christian is who's on the front line of battle exposing wickedness. So they're taking the riches of this world. They are literally being sold into the kingdom of this world. Their soul's being sold to the devil. And they're not going to have the same types of attacks we have, but we're going to suffer these attacks knowing that the next life is better than this. Well, that's the truth, man. I mean, like, and I praise God for it, too. And I'm not trying to sound like a spiritual martyr over here, but... I'm telling you something, man. We have been given the greatest commission and the greatest, greatest privilege in the world. We get to carry Christ into each and every situation we come across, man. We get to literally be God's address here on earth, dude. And, man, that is humbling and that is awesome. And the reward for that is awesome because, like, I mean, think about it, dude. Like, you hear these crazy stories, like, in the Muslim world that, you know, like, these Muslims, they fall asleep, and then Jesus pops up in their dreams, and, like, they have these conversion experiences. But, like, that is so on the fringes, man. Like, unless you're the Apostle Paul where, you know, like, Jesus is striking you down on the road to on the road to Damascus, like, the only way Jesus comes into a circumstance, basically, like, like eight times out of ten, is, like, when a person brings him there, Right. I mean, like, if if you if Jesus is going to invade like your neighbor's world, 
like mostly that happens when you are there witnessing to your neighbor or showing the love of Christ to your neighbor or doing something that brings Jesus physically into the situation. You know, like when you act how Jesus would act, you're displaying Jesus's character. And Jesus was a man of sorrows, first and foremost. No one ever preaches that anymore. I've never heard a preacher ever get up in the pulpit and say, this Sunday sermon is Jesus, man of sorrows, dejected, despised by the world, beaten down, you know, weak. <laughs> right, right. And, and it, But that's the thing. It's like when people see, man, oh, man, that dude's going through a rough spot, but how is he making it? It seems like his whole world is crashing in, and yet his head is held high. It's like it's it's almost like he has like a set of armor on him that that's keeping him safe. It's like our tests are always tomorrow's testimonies if we keep that in mind. And we need to keep that in mind because when we live as Christ would live in this world, man, then we are fulfilling the Great Commission. And that's what I love about shows like yours, Justin. Like you're just redeeming the space that you've been given here on this earth. Even if that space of time is only an hour or two every week where someone can put you and you're showing them into their um, ears via their earphones could be like in their home or it could be like somewhere in China, you know, like you're redeeming that hour in that week or that two hours in that week and you're bringing Christ into somebody's situation and you don't need a podcast to do that. You just need to be consciously aware that you're God's address on earth and that either in the good times or in the bad times, you're doing something to redeem the time. So everyone out there, man, just keep fighting the good fight of faith, man. And Justin, you keep fighting the good fight of faith. I know that you're grinding hard, dude, trying to get this film out. And I know that things are getting crazy for you and you're reaching a deadline, man. But we, you know, and just me personally as a fan of the fourth watch, dude, we love the fourth watch. And we enjoy it when we're able to hear it, man. We understand that there's a break in the action for a little bit. But, like, people, when you see this finished film that's coming out, it's going to be worth it all, man. It will be worth it all. This thing sounds like it's off the chain, brother. First of all, praise God. Um, you know, I uh, <laughs> I don't know how to even respond to something like that. Um, it's all for God's glory. And, um, you know, I I'll say this on the film real quick. This has been an opportunity that has been life changing. Like, I'll, I'll just say it like that. Um, not only have we worked with some amazing people for the film, but in getting into the research, it's like you start to see so many connections of what the world believes and what the Bible teaches. But the thing is, is they're not good connections. See, the world's teaching it as goodness, but the Bible is actually saying this is satanic. This is demonic. You don't want to have anything to do with this. And so it's, it's very, it's, it's sobering and it puts a heavy weight upon your shoulders to see how many people are so deceived by these things. And that's really one of the, the first film is going to be making a really strong case showing that it's not a theory, that the hollow earth is not a theory. We can prove that there are things going on in the earth biblically, and then we're going to show you what everybody else believes is going on in the earth. And then the second film is just going to be a grand slam getting into the culmination of everything from the alien deception, we're talking um, the rise of the Antichrist. We're putting it all into a nice visualization format. And, I mean, it's we have to make the strong case with the first film. Because the first film has to go ahead and throw out this idea that 
the hollow earth is not a theory. Now, granted, yes, hollow earth is a theory if you're talking about the shape and the way everything goes and this, that, and the other, but it, it's not a theory when you get into uh, the context and you know what's actually going on in the earth. The, the data is, is accurate biblically. But, uh, you know, the fourth watch, I, I hate the fact that I can't be here every Thursday right now. It's really been a, a weight, a burden on my shoulders. I look forward to every week uh, being able to come on and, and talk with you all. And just it, it's it's a blessing. I think I'm probably blessed more than you guys are. Um, and, and I don't say that lightly. I really mean that. It's such a blessing to me to do this. But um, three years ago this week, when I did my first episode, I had been listening to a radio show called the Kapow Radio Show. And it was on the Kapow Network. And uh, there's probably still a handful of you that, that listen who who know who the Kapows are. And you all found me on the Kapow Network. Um, Christina, Heather, uh, I'll just say those names right there. <laughs> um, but there's a few of you. And, and I don't know if you, if you ladies are still listening or not. But um, I, I met some some really great people through the Kapow Network. And I was listening to their to their show. Uh, you know, they, they'd put out a couple shows a week. And I was listening to it. And it's funny because a few years ago, I'm sorry, a few years before that happened, I had friends telling me, you know, they come over and we'd hang out and we'd talk all this stuff. And I remember one of my friends, Will Wood, and uh, he's like a career hiker now, uh, Redbeard. He, he does these videos on YouTube where he hikes the Appalachian Trail and he, he shows people where to go and really cool stuff. But um, Will Wood, dear friend of mine, you know, we, we would sit and talk for hours and people would just come over and they would just kind of pull up a chair and listen to what we were talking about. And Will was like, dude, you need to be doing a radio show. You need to do a podcast. And I kind of laughed about it. I was like, eh, I'm a video guy. I'm a film producer. But, you know, and it's funny because he said that and I had other friends say that as well. And then years later, I get hooked up with the Kapals and I told him, I said, man, I just want to do some graphic design for you guys. I just want to help you guys out with y'all's ministry because I really like y'all's content. And he said, hey, give me a call. And so I called Paul Kapow. And we had a nice conversation on the phone. We talked for about an hour and a half. And let me tell you, dude, we went from talking graphics and their logo design, like instantly we got done talking about that and we get into deep discussion on research. Okay, like what have I been researching? My thoughts on it, this, that, and the other. And he said, man, dude, he said, you need to be doing a show on our network. And I'm like, what? And he was like, if you would have just basically said on a show what you just said on the phone with me, he says, that would have been a killer episode. And I'm like, man, he says, do you, do you have equipment? And I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I have some basic equipment for, you know, recording audio for videos and stuff. And he was like, okay. He was like, record a pilot episode, get it to me by such and such a date, and we'll check out the pilot. And, you know, he's like, if we like it, we'll run it. And I was like, wow. So, I'm kind of blown away. And, and again, this is just the history of the fourth watch, the untold history that most of you have no idea about. You know, here I am, um, very little equipment, don't have the stuff I need to do this. And I set up a digital recorder and I recorded a pilot episode. And I didn't really know exactly all the details of what I was going to talk about, but I wanted to talk about some of the the hard times that I faced in church, the opposition, the demonic opposition that I faced in church and kind of my journey through the churches and I've since mentioned a couple of these little stories over the years, but I did like a full-blown run-through of my church experience and why I hated church because of all of the demonic interference. And um, and granted, I, I do go to church. I go to a great church, praise God, a church that does teach on the man of sorrows. Um, but at the time, it was just it, it, was, it was an interesting time in my life. So I recorded the pilot episode, got it over to the Kapals. And they, they email me back. They're like, man, we loved it. We're going to air the show on Thursday. 
And they're like, would you do a show every Thursday? And so that's how the fourth watch got started. And I didn't miss a lick, man. I mean, every Thursday had a brand new show. I'd upload it for them. They'd put it up on the network. And that's the birth of the fourth watch. I think we were, we were together for about eight months, about eight, eight and a half months, somewhere in that ballpark. And then uh, we parted ways, uh, friend, you know, in a friendly manner. It wasn't anything bad. And uh, I started the fourth watch radio network, had a little transition time there and got on Spreaker. And that's where I picked up most of you guys is via YouTube, Facebook and Spreaker. And that's how good God is. He brings he brings people to hear the truth. I would still be doing the fourth watch if we had 15 listeners a week. I'll go further. If one person gets saved through the fourth watch, if one person repents of their witchcraft and their new age beliefs and they come to Jesus Christ, one person then every grueling hour of putting shows together for three years, it would have all been worth it for that one person. And I, I, I mean that with all of my heart. And so I, I just, I praise God for everybody that does tune in. But um, you know, it was through the fourth watch that I met BDK. It was through the fourth watch that I met Kay Carswell, that I met Chad Riley. Um, you know, I, I could go on. It was, I mean, there's plenty of people that I've met through the fourth watch. So God has used it to bless me in my life immensely. And just for those of you who don't know, this is not a job. I don't get a salary from the fourth watch. Um, you know, when people do donate to the fourth watch, it covers expenses of things we need for the network. So I just, you know, I, this is a labor of love. And to be able to have somebody like BDK joining me here after three years, being here on the network now as my partner. And BDK has been running the network, managing the network literally since I started doing the film. Um, I could not have been more blessed to have anybody else doing this but BDK. So I want to say thank you, BDK. I'm sorry for this long-winded backstory of the fourth watch, but it's a three-year anniversary. I just wanted people to know how it got started. Amen. I got my start recording on a little digital recorder with a little microphone that wasn't meant for radio. And God will use whatever he wants to use to get his message out. You don't have to have a studio. You can record podcasts on your phone. You can make YouTube videos on your phone. You don't have to do any of that. You can just go out and preach on the street. You know, however you decide to minister, God can use you with whatever you have. But I want to say this, if you're faithful with the little bit that you have, and I mean this in ministry, I don't mean this just in life, I mean in ministry, because that's the most important part of your life is your ministry and how you're operating in the gospel. But if you're faithful with what God gives you for the ministry, even if it's a little, he's going to turn that around and bless it as long as you're faithful with it. And there's scripture to back this up. So I, I want to encourage you all, if you're, if you're sitting out there and you're listening right now and you're like, well, I, I really want to be doing something for the, for the kingdom. I want to be doing ministry stuff. You can do it. It doesn't have to look like this. It doesn't have to look like Omega Frequency or Face Like This on YouTube channel. Um, do whatever it is that God has given you skills to use for the gospel. So I want to just throw that out there. Um, I do want to have a little bit of fun here. And we are, we are going to play... Uh, we are going to get to the point in the show. We're going to play the pilot episode of The Fourth Watch, um, which it's probably going to be kind of humorous to some of you guys. Uh, <laughs> I would bet probably 90% of you have never heard the pilot episode. It's not on our Spreaker account. It's not on Facebook. Uh, it's not on uh, YouTube. But uh, we are going to air the pilot episode, the first episode ever. And, you know, I would almost call it a cringe compilation. <laughs> <laughs> but um but that's where it all started but uh you know it's funny we were talking earlier i was talking to bdk and oh i gotta have some coffee hold on this is an unedited show by the way like we're just we're just getting on here having a little celebration time so let me drink my coffee <clears throat> oh yeah that's good 
Whew. You guys like coffee? I know, I know BDK likes coffee. Oh, love it. Oh, boy. So I'm drinking my coffee out of a 30-ounce Ozark Trail tumbler. This is a shameless plug where I'm not getting paid by <laughs> sponsors, but... You know, there was all this hype about the Yeti mugs. People wanted a mug that would keep their their drinks hot. You know, they they want their their either their broth or their drinks, their coffee, their hot tea. They wanted something that was going to keep their drinks piping hot for hours and then really cold for even more hours. You know, because that's generally how it works. The cold will stay colder longer. The hot will, you know, I think with the hot, it's like four to six hours and it's warm. But with the cold, some of these mugs, you put ice in them and they will still be frozen they'll still have ice cubes in there after 24 hours if the lid's on and so the hype was all built up around this stuff called yeti and they were like 40 dollars for the mug and um ozark trail i you know i could be wrong but i think uh, i think walmart owns the company they make these tumblers and they're like 9.99 for the 30 ounce and they are just as good if not better than yeti definitely man like they've saved my butt on trips many a times Many a times. But there is a problem. If you put your coffee in the Ozark Trail mug and you put the lid on it, and then you go sit in front of your desk and take a sip, it's <laughs> going to burn the stew out of your mouth. Like, I have to, oh. if, if you want to drink your coffee, take the lid off for about 10 minutes and then sip it. But I'm just saying. But, okay, anyway, I digress. Brace yourself like a man, Justin. Oh, so <laughs> Prepare much. yourself for that sip. <laughs> so much is happening in my mind right now. And I feel like I've got so much to say. Okay. What we were going to do, I, I was talk, kind of joking with BDK. We were talking beforehand. You know, it's funny because like with YouTube, everybody is a know-it-all critic. Well, not everybody. The, we have some really good followers on YouTube that, man, you guys on YouTube who listen every week, you guys are off the chain. Let me just say, like, I, I, I love you guys. Um, I don't always respond to comments on YouTube because I don't have time, uh, but I do get notifications in my email. So just because I don't respond to the comments on YouTube, I want you to know that I do see them. I see them in my email box, and I appreciate all of them. I mean, I really do appreciate those comments, uh, especially the good ones. But, you know, there, there's some knuckleheads on YouTube that think they know everything in the world. And they twist my words. They take me out of context. They accuse me of being a Jesuit, a Freemason. Um, you know, YouTube is filled with some of the worst shills. Like, I, I can't even begin to tell you guys. Like, and that's the main reason I don't get on YouTube to look at all the comments um, but I do read them. I just, I, I don't want to get involved in, in a comment war with somebody. It's just, I don't have time for that. Um, and it's not profitable, but here's the deal. You know, I've had a lot of criticism on YouTube over, I, I guess I've been doing the YouTube shows for maybe a year and a half. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not even a year and a half, maybe a little over a year, but people just always want to criticize. You know, people always think they know everything. You know, the, the one that I get the most BDK is you're just a premature little kid. You know, you're a juvenile. You don't know anything. You shouldn't be talking about this stuff. <laughs> and I'm sitting back thinking, okay, now I, I might have, I might be jovial. Okay. I'm a little jovial. I'm a little excited. I'm a little extreme sometimes. Okay. Okay. But I'm not a little kid. Dude, I'm 34 years old. <laughs> My point is, okay, if somebody is in their 80s, I'm a little kid to them probably. Maybe. But who do these people think they are coming up here, calling me some little kid, criticizing me because of my age? And all I'm, you know, I'm reminded back to Timothy. Paul told Timothy, don't let them despise your youth. You know, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. I, I'm not I'm not admitting that I do. I mean, I really I, I don't have there's many things I still don't know the answers to. But the things that I feel that I do have a grasp on, I feel that I need to talk about. And I, I just I want to ensure you that I do my research before I get on the show and talk about something. 
I do have guests on occasionally that say things I don't agree with. Um, you know, does that make me a bad person? No. I like to have discussion with people. You know, like for instance, with Gil Broussard. I had Gil Broussard on and, I, you know, I think the guy has some amazing information. I don't agree with his dating methods, but when you get into the information, I think it's awesome. You know, Gary Wayne. You know, Gary Wayne is a dear friend of mine, probably one of my favorite authors, one of my favorite guests on the show. Um, you know, even with Gary Wayne and I, we have some different views on things, but we don't divide over them. So my, my point of all this is, look, I don't have it all figured out. I'm 34 years old. Yeah, I might be considered a kid to some of you. Um, you know, and I, but, but regardless, that's not, you can't, you can't base things on somebody's age. You can't criticize somebody because of their age. And I think what it really boils down to is there's these disgruntled trolls on YouTube who don't like the fact that somebody's challenging things that they believe in. And so, well, if this, this guy's challenging me, well, how can I pick him apart? Well, he's, he's a kid. He sounds like a kid. He probably looks like a kid. Um, yeah, he's a juvenile. <laughs> that, that's pretty much the mentality of these people that come at me on YouTube. And then I got people making fun of my intro, like I'm WWF, like, yeah, you know what I mean, Gene. Dude, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to do what I do. And, and you know what? If people don't like the intro, you know what? Fast forward it, idiot. I don't care. Like, I mean, come on. You know, I, I mean, dude, listen, not everybody I likes this. I love the intro. Oh, you are listening to the I fourth I love the watch. intro personally, bro. But, you know, I do it because the I like it. Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you even wanted me to do it for your show. I mean, but it, it's funny because, oh, like, dude, every, it's, it's like it's what grabbed my attention the first time I heard it, man. It set it apart, dude. Like, I heard him like, whoa, this dude's excited about what he's about ready to say to me. I'm going to listen to it. And then I listened to it. I'm like, this is really good. I mean, what would you rather have? Honestly, do you want me to just to be some monotone? You know, you know, like those YouTube videos where instead of having a voiceover, they have like they record that thing. Uh, what is it? It's like that software where you type in your text and it puts it to speech. And it's like it, it, oh. it basically these YouTube videos. It's like all it is is this robot voice. And it sounds like Stephen Hawkins, you know, making a presentation. And it's like, OK, OK, you know, maybe the information is good, but I can't sit through it because I'm a little too animated to be sitting through something so droll, you know, is that. So I get excited about the fourth watch. I've always been excited about the fourth watch. Now, I'm more so excited now than I was when I started because I was a little shy, okay? I was a little radio shy when I first got started. You're all going to find this out here in a few minutes. But the point of it is I get excited for what I do, okay? I like the intro because that's me. I, I don't make the intro to make people happy, okay? I don't make the intro so that some guy on YouTube can sit back and say, Oh, this is the best intro in the world. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> no, it's not like that. I did the intro because that is a depiction of me and my energy, and I like it. And then other people are like, your intro is demonic. It is demonic of Satan. And I'm like, whatever. It's not demonic. Get a life. That's like, you know, some people think there's a demon lurking behind every bush in their front yard. I mean, anyway, I'm I, I'm sorry. I'm just making a point. And I'm sorry. I've probably gotten a little bold here. It's it's the three-year anniversary show. This was not, you know, we didn't plan what we were going to say. We just want to get on here and talk for a little while and have some fun. Um, but yeah, so that that's the deal. People are always criticizing the fourth watch intro on, on you know, yeah, but you know, some people, they say, wow, that was a little extreme, but I like it. Okay, well, cool. You know, and if you don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to listen to it. If you don't like the intro, skip forward. Or I got a better one for you. Don't click play, bro. You know, the fourth watch is not clickbait. We put out a podcast because we think it's important information. And if you don't like the way that I talk, you don't like the way that I handle my guests. Well, you know what? There's the door, pal. Don't let it hit you on the way out because nobody really cares if you like it or not. If you don't like it, take a walk. 
all right, sorry. I just like, I went from all happy to like <laughs> criticizing. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, like I, it's like BDK's over there waiting for my gun to cock. Like, <laughs> so he's going postal. He's well, going at least, nuts. You know, at least, you know, they're listening to it before they comment. Like my favorite thing is like, I put up an episode and people are criticizing it. And I'm like, did they even listen to this episode? Like the one we did on Trump, everyone assumed it was a pro Trump episode. And they're like, they're like, you look at the comments on YouTube and they're eating my lunch. And then like, finally somebody in the comment thread gets on and they're like, dude, did you even listen to this? Like he's saying the opposite of everything you're ranting about. It's like, listen to the episode. Just don't go on there and troll stuff, man. Seriously. Like, I never that, understood that. Never understood that. Dude. Like I remember back in the day, right? Like I would put this show on Facebook and like it would have been up for like three minutes, like three minutes, right? And like I put it in a group, whatever, like it had been in the group for three minutes or I literally just got done posting it in a group and I've quit posting in some of these groups. Okay. I'm not going to put up with this garbage, but I just posted it in a group and like not even three minutes later, you know, Johnny Know-It-All comes in and comments trying to criticize the show based on the title, not even listening to it. And I'm like, okay. You know, and, and I used to respond. Like, I actually used to take the time to respond to these guys. You know, they're like widgets. These people are like widgets. You know what a widget is? It's like on your phone and it has like data on it. You know, it's like, and you can move it around. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, BDK, what a widget is? Um, no. <laughs> I think it's an Android thing. But these people are like widgets. It's like they, they just pop up with information and it's like, I'm just going to put my finger on it and I'm just going to move it out of my sight. Okay. Like, <laughs> I don't put up with that. I don't comment anymore on that stuff. I don't respond to that. And it's not beneficial. You know, here's the thing, and I hope this is going to encourage somebody listening right now. If you're facing opposition because of the things that you believe and the things that you teach, the things that you stand up for, as long as they're biblical and, and they're truth, if you face opposition for that, you know, you don't have to get into a endless debate with somebody. And, and, you know, but you want to. I get it because sometimes you just you want to get the word in there to let people know they're wrong. You want to correct them. You know, it, it, I say it like this. My brother, Wes, he says, I don't get on Facebook much. Because I don't have time to correct all the idiots. That's what my brother says. <laughs> He's like, because I can't get on with a good conscience and not correct all this crap I see on my newsfeed. And so I've chosen not to get on Facebook. That's what he says. But if you're facing opposition and, you know, on Facebook or wherever it may be in church, there are some people that you, you know, you want to sow into their life. You want to invest some time in correcting them, but doing it in love, sharing the truth in love. And uh, that's important. But there's going to be plenty of people out there who just want to get your goat. Now, I think that's like an old terminology. My dad used to say that. Some of you may get that. But some people just want to get your goat. You know, I'm not going to give my goat to anybody. Okay. My goat's private. My goat is mine. It is in my gate. Okay. Somebody wants to get my goat. I'm going to go back to the scripture and I'm going to not cast my pearls before swine. And I encourage you guys as well in this, this movement of truth that we are in. Don't cast your pearls before swine. It's okay to, to comment and give somebody some truth, but if they come back clearly as a troll, don't cast your pearls before them because they're going to trample on something that's good and valuable, the truth. They're going to try to trample on the truth like a pig would trample on something precious. And, you know, you're not going to take your pearls and throw them in the pig pen. And that's kind of, it, it's not just some Confucius proverb that's biblical. Uh, don't cast your, your, your pearls before swine. And so that's kind of where I'm at on the whole matter. But, um, you know, people have their opinions about things, and that's cool. Look, I'm not trying to be a jerk. If you have an opinion about this or that, and, it, you know, you don't like something I say or do, that's fine. You can have an opinion. But when you get on my YouTube channel and you start, like, slandering me and openly trying to criticize me uh, because you don't like this or I'm too young to be doing this or, you know, my farts stink, 
or whatever. <laughs> okay, I've just made this like a PG-13 episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, my, my point is this. I don't hate anybody, okay? I, I don't even hate Obama, believe it or not. I know that might come as a shock to some of you. you know, I, I don't want any hate in my heart other than hate towards sin and wickedness. That's the only hate that I want. And, and this is an area of my life that I've really been working on over the years. But I don't hate the people who are my critics. I don't hate the people who mock me on, on YouTube or, or Facebook or whatever. But here's the deal. I'm just thankful to be here alive at 34 years old with a ministry such as the Fourth Watch with friends and supporters who you guys are my family. If, if you guys are, are believers in Christ, you're my family. And we're not going to agree on every little detail, but I love the fact that you come back every week. And I love some of the dialogue that you guys start on YouTube between each other. I've seen so much good dialogue on YouTube between some of you that don't even know each other, but you're now friends. You are you are literally making friends because you realize there's other Christians that are listening to the Fourth Watch. And so the YouTube comments have kind of turned into a little bit of a, a mini forum where, where Christians are able to fellowship. And that's really awesome. So I, I just want to say thank you to everybody who, who's still following the Fourth Watch at this point, even through some of the information that you didn't agree with or some of my perspectives you didn't agree with, my opinions my speculation even. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that you're still tuning in. Anyway, here we are. We're at three years, and uh, I'm going to give a little little dissertation here. Dissertation? I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know. My coffee still hasn't fully taken, taken effect. I've been slowly sipping it. So yeah, we're going to air the pilot episode of the Fourth Watch radio show, which originally aired in 2014. And uh, I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, March. Yeah, it's March. Yeah, March 13th, which was a Thursday in 2014. We're going to air that tonight and it is going to be unedited. Like you're hearing it the way that I originally cut it with original sound bites. Um, totally going back to the vintage fourth watch. I mean, absolute. This is as old as it gets. There is no fourth watch relics older than this. So you're going to hear it as raw as it comes. Um, the editing is probably not as good as, as you're used to hearing nowadays, but Hey, you know what? This is the pilot episode that started it all. And, uh, before we go to that BDK, tell us something good, bro. How about I pray for everyone and I pray for the fourth watch and I pray for you on this anniversary episode. How about I do that? Amen. And then we'll let the episode play. Father, we just come to you with thanksgiving in our heart and praise on our lips because you are good and all the time. You are good. There are a lot of bad things in this world that we tend to focus on. There's a lot of controversy in this world that we tend to get caught up in. But there's one fact that is not controversial. You are love and you are for us and you're not against us. And you foreordained us to do certain things before we were even born because you are good. And you desire to have an address here on this earth to show people your goodness. And Father, I thank you that you've raised, risen up Brother Justin for an hour such as this. And that you revealed to him this, this part of his destiny, this, this work that he was ordained to walk in. And I thank you for his willingness to obey that gospel call in his life. And I thank you, Lord even from a selfish place in my heart, because I love listening to the fourth watch, that he went out and he did this. Because we get to hear good content that that discusses things that you don't always hear about. Not, not a lot of people talk about paranormal things or supernatural things or prophecy things from a, from a rock-solid biblical worldview. 
And Father, I thank you because he always brings up Jesus in the end. He always brings up Jesus and the power to save in the end. And every single topic always reverts back to the cross. And Father, thank you for the cross. Because it doesn't really matter what we do in this world. The only thing that matters is the cross. And that's the only thing that draws people to Jesus. It says that if Jesus be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. That is so awesome. Because it's the cross that saves and not our foolish works or our foolish words or our foolish ambitions. It was the ambition of Jesus putting on human flesh and becoming the skin tent of God. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be your skin tent. I thank you for this opportunity to be on the Fourth Watch Radio Network with my brother. And I just ask that you just keep opening doors. Doors that he didn't even imagine would open. That he would get connections from people that he meets in this ministry that he wouldn't even imagine that he'd get. Father, just bring into fruition your plan. Because you have greater works than he even put in his own mind planned for the fourth watch. Father, as he's faithful, keep revealing those those insights and those revelations to him so that he can make the necessary adjustments that he needs to make to take this even further and greater than it's been before. Father, I pray for everyone that's listening right now, all of us that have been fortunate enough to, to partake in hearing these episodes. May we not lose sight of the fact that these things are labors of love, and may we, may we approach them with that respect. But more than anything else, Father, may we listen to these episodes with open minds and open hearts and open Bibles, and may these episodes serve as a spark to get us to investigate some of these things further for ourselves. And may that investigation process and that time spent with you just draw us closer to your son. Thank you, Jesus, for being on this divine pursuit of us. Give us a heart and a desire to pursue you more. We love you. We thank you. We ask that your will be done in everything we do. In the name of our kinsman redeemer, Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. We are now going to go ahead and roll the pilot episode of the fourth watch, going back to where it all began three years ago this week. I would like to just uh, explain a little bit about who I am, where I've come from. I want to just say that when I was a little child, I guess I was around eight years old, uh, I had witnessed a gospel presentation uh, stage play at my small country Baptist church, and it was the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ. And I was so excited. Uh, I felt like I understood that I needed a Savior. So I I accepted Christ. I went down. I said the sinner's prayer. I was baptized um, about a week or two later. And that was pretty much where it began. I've always been in a Christian home. Uh, My mom and dad uh, raised me in a strict Christian home based on the Word of God. Very grateful for that. But when I got older, uh, I started getting a little taste of sin. And in high school, even though I was involved in a youth group, uh, I tended to, to drift. I backslid. And I started tasting the things of the world. 
And quite frankly, I liked what I was tasting. I'm not going to sit here and glorify what I got into, but I'm going to say that I got into things I shouldn't have been into. But more importantly, the things that I was doing, they were going directly against the word of God. So why didn't I realize they were going against the word of God? Well, I had discernment at one point, but once you start giving into sin and you keep sinning and you just cover up the voice of the Holy Spirit, pretty soon you're just off in sin. You don't have any conviction anymore. And I think that's really a problem today in the church. I think we've got so much sin in the church because people get so far away from the truth that they once knew. Anyway, with that stated, I graduated high school, got into the partying, got into all the things the world had to offer, just completely left everything that I had held on to as a kid. And uh, I guess it was around the time that I was uh, 21, 22-ish, I had heard a teaching about some pretty supernatural topics, including the Nephilim, which I was blown away that there could have been fallen angels having intercourse with women, and then producing these giant hybrid creatures. And I'm hearing this, and all I could think about was, wow, this is crazy. I'm going to have to start reading my Bible. (laughs) So uh, I I did. I got into that. Uh, Thank you, Chuck Missler. Um, He's the one who provided the study. And it was from that point that I realized that the Bible was such a plethora of knowledge and not just information on how to live, but it teaches you what God expects. Okay, God hasn't changed from the beginning. He is. He will always be. He is the beginning and the end. He is everlasting. So you start reading this book. You learn the characteristics of God. You learn what he expects from you. And then you learn how to please him. It's quite simple uh, in theory, uh, but the hard part was starting to realize how I was going to deal with the sin in my life. And even to this day, praise God for the conviction of the Holy Spirit, because when sin enters in, the Holy Spirit is in there, and it's like a little filter, and, and it instantly triggers, and it's like, oh man, why did I do that? So I thank God that he has put conviction in my life so that when I do sin, it breaks my heart. You know, one of the things I pray uh, regularly, that God would break my heart for what breaks his heart. God doesn't conform to us. We're supposed to conform to God. And so let's just talk about the law real quick. And I don't want to bore any of you guys, but let me tell you something. If you think the Bible is boring, well, well, folks, mama's wrong again. (laughs) No kind of saying this. You're wrong. Mama's right. The Bible is awesome. Let me just say it again. The Bible is awesome. Without the Bible, we would be totally lost. We would not know anything about God. We would have no idea about the plan of salvation. Man. Okay, back to the law. The law was given so that we could realize that we can't please God, okay? Think about it. The the law was given so that we could try to keep it, but God knew we couldn't keep it. And so the law showed us our flaws. The, The law showed us a need for some sort of recompense. And that's where animal sacrifice came into play. And then Christ, the awesomest gift that anyone could ever receive. I hate it when people say, oh, it's a free gift, and you're going to get a free gift of salvation. No, nothing is free, okay? Christ paid for salvation by shedding his own blood on the cross, on Calvary. We are bought with a price, okay? You think about it. Anybody out there listening right now that's got kids, think about having to sacrifice to watch as your son or daughter is sacrificed and their blood is shed. I don't have kids, 
but I did lose a dog, and I, and I loved him dearly. I cried. I, boy, this happened a couple years ago. Even as a full-grown man, I cried. And he didn't die for a cause, okay? So think about having to sacrifice one of your children. I mean, that's far worse than sacrificing a pet. But regardless, God sacrificed his own son, his only begotten son, sacrifice, shed his blood for our sins. After that, no sacrifice could ever hold a candle to the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid. So no more of this talk of, oh, it's a free gift. Oh, yeah, come on down, brother. Say the sinner's prayer. No, uh uh-uh, uh-uh. It is not free. It came with a cost, came with a price, and I am forever indebted as a bondservant to my Lord and Savior. And if you have truly accepted Christ Jesus into your heart, if you've truly repented of your sins, you've been bought with a price. You are so precious and valuable to God. He loved you so much that he was willing to pay that price. So I'm very thankful that God has opened my eyes. I want to make a reference real quick to a movie. Um, now it is rated R. It's got some content in it that, that's you know considered inappropriate. Oh man! But boy, this movie is a classic. And the reason I'm even quoting this movie is because it has some parallels. It's a movie called They Live. The aliens have taken over the government. Uh, they're using propaganda to brainwash people. And in this movie. He has no idea of the conspiracy going on. Okay, He's like a sleepwalker, but he ends up getting uh, tied into this organization, we'll call it, and they were all awake to what was going on. They were awake to the conspiracy, and they had these sunglasses. Uh, they had a big box of these sunglasses. As soon as you put the sunglasses on, you can see everything for what it is. So all of a sudden, uh, Roddy Piper's walking around, and he's seeing these aliens— He's seeing, he looks up and sees the street signs, and they say big words like propaganda, buy, consume, obey. And then he takes the glasses off, and he looks at the same stuff, but it's normal advertisements. He looks at the people with his glasses off, and he sees normal-looking people. So he puts the glasses on, and he can see everything for what it is. If that doesn't paint a clear picture of getting saved... Okay, being born again, you know, repenting of your sins. To repent doesn't mean just to ask for forgiveness. It talks about making a 180 degree turn. It's like a car going north. And all of a sudden that car repents and it turns around and drives south as far and fast as as possible to get away from that point that it was at. So that's what repenting is. So if you think you've repented of your sins but you haven't turned and tried to run from them, then maybe you have a misunderstanding of what repenting means. Now, I understand that we're going to battle sin our whole lives. That's the battle we fight, people. We're always fighting this battle. It's a constant. But I want to encourage you, if there's any sin in your life that you're struggling with, pray and ask the Lord to give you strength to fight it. And let me remind you, the enemy, he's roaming around constantly with his armies of demons, always trying to get us to sin, always trying to get us to doubt the king. So I'm going to encourage you guys, hey, stay in your word. Because when you read your word, not only are you getting fed spiritual food, but you're also putting on the whole armor of God, okay? Now, moving on. Once I started reading my Bible and I really understood the need for salvation. I mean, I thought I understood it at eight years old, but when I, around the 22, uh, 22 years, I started realizing, okay, I've actually committed real treason against the Holy One, the Almighty God. I've committed treason against Him. And I had to repent of that sin. I had to clean things out of my house that had demons attached to them. Without getting into detail of the things I had to get rid of, the Lord convicted me to get rid of these things. Now, I had started going to a megachurch of a very famous pastor, Andy Stanley. And I I had so much sin in my life when I first started going to this church. 
And I realized that after about six months, I realized that the teachings that this guy was teaching, although they sounded really good on the surface and they really felt good to me, the teachings, uh, they didn't add up to the scripture necessarily. He would use a little bit of scripture and then a lot of psychology. But it was gradual. It seemed like sometimes it would be a solid teaching, sometimes it wouldn't. Um, and, and I realized that I'm happy. I'm going to this church. I'm happy. Things are good. But I'm not getting convicted. Okay, I'm not convicted of my sins when I go there. And finally, I started to ask questions. You know, why is it that when I leave the church, I'm always happy? I'm never convicted. And I talked to a good friend of mine uh, who's also in ministry, and he told me. He said, "Look, he said I'm really concerned that you're going to this church because there's so many things going on there that are ungodly uh, with the leadership, uh, even from how the church was started." So I prayed about it, and finally, I left. Let me backtrack real quick. I'd gone to the singles group meeting that was a branch of North Point Church, Andy Stanley, and I get there and I've got my Bible and people are looking at me like, whoa, what the heck does he have his Bible for? <laughs> I thought it was a singles Bible study. Apparently, it was a bunch of posh little trendies coming together to hang out um, and you know, they, they, they did share a couple scriptures and of course I had my Bible, but uh, there was no need of me even opening my Bible because they just breezed right through it. Uh, and then the guy that was leading it, he had an acoustic guitar. And I was thinking, oh, cool, you know, maybe the guy's going to play some worship music. And uh, he starts talking about Eminem and how he can be driving down the road listening to Eminem and praising God. He said, look, you know, it doesn't matter what you're listening to. It doesn't matter the content. I mean, I can praise God. I I'm quoting him now. I'm not saying me. This is what he's saying. He's saying, I can praise God listening to whatever I want. So I'll be listening to Eminem driving down the street, and I'm just like, oh, Jesus, you are good. You know, last time I heard Eminem, he was singing about killing his wife and driving around with her dead body in the front seat. So I, I just can't imagine God being glorified in that. Um, it's a form of mind control. And I'm looking forward to doing an episode on the music industry and how there's satanic rituals and even um, implementation of rituals in the discs. Uh, anyway, I, I don't want to get on a side topic right now, but I definitely want to do a show on that. But this guy is ranting and raving about Eminem and how he can worship God listening to Eminem. So the first thing that pops into my mind is, okay, well, first of all, what God are you worshiping? <laughs> so uh, anyway, I tried to meet with uh, one of the leaders of the singles group. About a week later, we met at a burger shop. And um, I had a documentary about 9-11. And, uh, you know, 9-11, uh, it should not be a sensitive subject. At this point, there has been enough information that has come out to raise some serious concern about what really happened on that day. I tried to share this documentary and, and share some of my concerns with the so-called leader of the singles group. And, you know, he looked at me and he was kind of, you know, kind of ticked off. And he says, you know, maybe I'll look at this. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, got, I, got a, I got too many other things on my plate to be looking at these things. And all I'm thinking about is Hosea says, my people will perish for the lack of knowledge. That's a big deal. Uh, I don't want to be in that group of people that are perishing. So I, I'm blown away at, at just how, how, how easily this guy just shrugged me off. And uh, so I figured, okay, you know, it, it's time to move on. So I'm at another church, and uh, it's really hard to find a church. And I'm sure many of you out there listening can relate. Um, I had visited another church that seemed pretty legitimate. You know, I'd gone to two services, and I said, man, this just really feels good. 
And I should have known, they had like a little meditation room that was like a, they called it the prayer room, meditation room, and it was a branch off of the sanctuary with a bunch of little throw pillows on the floor. Uh, they had incense and candles burning and these little crosses on the wall. I should have known that there was something mystic going on there. I, at the time, I was still a baby Christian, so I looked at it like maybe um, you know, I was still learning things about the faith and what the scripture said. So I, I liked the pastor. He seemed really cool, really down to earth. After about a month, they invited me to join the praise team, and I was just thrilled to be playing guitar. So I'm there. I'm involved. Um, you know, I'm having lunch with the the different ministers on staff. You know, things are going awesome. And uh, I guess it was about a month and a half. I I was really starting to feel at home. Um, I come in one Sunday, and the pastor, he's raving about this conference he just got back from in California. And uh, it it was a conference about the emergent church. Okay, now, first of all, I had never heard of the emergent church. This was years ago. And uh, he was raving about how the emergent church, they seem to have grasped the idea of the gospel like no one else has grasped it before. As if we couldn't understand the gospel without the help of the emergent church leaders. So he shows us a video by one of the emergent leaders uh, at the time. His name was Rob Bell. Okay, Now, the video is called Bullhorn Guy. And uh, it's a guy who's... It shows a guy who's real nerdy looking. He's printing off these little flyers of salvation, repent now, Christ is going to return. Um, and the, the the camera work, it was very nicely made, great cinematography. So for me being a film student, I was like, oh, this is this is really well done. So this guy goes out with a bullhorn and he's trying to pass out all these flyers and people are just walking right past him, giving him evil looks, criticizing what appears to be a guy who's out there trying to, to share the gospel because he, he sees a house on fire. The world is like a house on fire and um, the people are just in the house in their rocking chairs you know drinking beer on the couch watching tv while their house is burning they don't realize that their house is on fire that's the world okay and christians we're supposed to go and try to save those people out of the fire by sharing the gospel with them you know whether or not they come to christ or not hey we don't do the converting the holy spirit does but let me tell you what we are called by the great commission okay so this guy appears to be out there fulfilling the great commission and everyone walking by looking and judging um basically this is this guy's the bad guy okay and then here comes this really cool trendy pastor wearing his little full frame glasses with his little buzz cut and he's so cool and so trendy he's way cooler than anybody and he sits on a little bench in front of a fashion store called momo okay now momo i had to look momo (laughs) i actually had to look up momo i didn't know what it was but it's very posh probably a very expensive store very high fashion so rob bell being so cool and trendy sits and films in front of the momo window and people are walking by, and, and he has this attitude of Satan, okay? I felt like I was looking at a dragon talking. And he starts mocking the bullhorn guy, and he's calling him the bullhorn guy, talking about he is doing it all wrong. The bullhorn guy doesn't know how to witness. The bullhorn guy doesn't know how to share salvation uh, with people. And so Rob Bell, being Mr. Trendy and Mr. Know-it-all, and one of the heads of the emergent church at the time, he's making this video to criticize the bullhorn guy. It just, it really got under my skin, and I got instantly convicted about this video. And as soon as the video was over, um, Pastor Jack Wolf, yeah, you know, I don't mind dropping names. I mean, look, if people want to commit heresy as a teacher, you know, which James warns us, not all of us should be teachers, okay? It's not my opinion, that's the scripture. So if a preacher or a teacher, whatever you want to call them, they want to elevate themselves and teach heresy from the pulpit, I have no problem mentioning their names. Jesus mentioned names. The Bible, not only did the Bible mention names, the Bible gave you a whole dang lineages. I mean, son of, son of, son of, son of. So anyway, Jack Wolf, 
audience. He gets on stage and goes, okay, now look, some of you might be a little shocked. And I'm like, oh, really? Why would I be shocked by the heretical video you just showed us on a Sunday morning from the pulpit? So he gets up there. Some of you might be shocked at what you just saw, but I just want to challenge you. And I really want to encourage you in the word here. And I'm just sitting there waiting for it. I'm like, okay, somebody give this brother a drum roll. So he comes out and he tells us not to get upset with the message or the delivery, but to look deeper into the message, okay? Now, he says that the message was that we need to change our mode of operation, our MO. Well, I went home, and I watched the video again, okay? He had it up on the website, so I, and my brother wasn't able to make it that morning, so I came home very upset. I got with my brother. We watched the video on their website like three or four times, and I got to the point where I said, you know what? The message is very clear, now, yeah, the delivery was kind of mean and kind of short, like Rob Bell knows it all, but the message was very, very in your face and not a message of Christ. It was a message of a new world order, okay? It was a message of accepting everybody, no matter what, loving everybody. Now, I believe in loving everybody, but you can love somebody right into hell, you know? And first of all, what love are we talking about? We, all, we know there's different types of love. I want to quote uh, Penn and Teller. Uh, Gillette Penn, he comes out and he says, uh, someone had given him a copy of the Gideon's New Testament. Okay. And he is a solid atheist and a comedian. Okay. That's probably not a very appropriate show to go to. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, um, Penn gets up there and he says, look, I read the entire New Testament. And after reading it, I've come to a very serious conclusion. If you believe in the New Testament and you believe it's real, it's accurate, it's the Word of God, he said, you would really have to hate someone. Let me, let me say that again. You would really have to hate someone in order to not share it with them. Okay, so for an atheist to say that, you would really have to hate someone to not share the New Testament with them? If that doesn't give you chills, I don't know what will. I'm so sick of hearing these Christians say, oh, well, I got these friends, and I'm just trying to get to know them and be cool, and eventually I'll be able to share the gospel with them. Well, first of all, we don't know how long we have on this earth. No one is promised tomorrow. Every day that I wake up, I thank the Lord for another day to breathe, okay? So none of us, none of us, nobody is exempt from this. No one on earth knows when their last day is going to be. So you really never know if you're going to get a chance to witness to these people other than the current day that you have with them. So anytime you get that opportunity to witness to somebody, think back to this, th this particular broadcast where I shared with you about the atheist who said, you really have to hate somebody to not share this with them. Okay, now, uh, moving forward, uh, I, I had a meeting with the pastor, and uh, he met with me for coffee, and I had taken about three hours to prepare notes. I, I felt like this was a very important uh, meeting, and I wanted to talk to him about the video that he shared, the bullhorn video, and I wanted to let him know uh, why the, that was completely unbiblical. He was very cool. He listened to everything I had to say. And uh, then he basically looked at me and says, are you done? And he told me that I was really overdoing this and that I was looking a little too deep. He says, you know, you've obviously missed the whole message. And I said, Brother Jack, I haven't missed. And that was a stretch to call him brother. But I said, Brother Jack, I did not miss the message. I went home and I watched the video a handful of times with my brother. And we were both under the same impression that what this guy was doing was completely unbiblical and antichrist. He was wanting to everybody to be friends with the world 
that that was the message. That's what I told him. I said the message the message seemed like he was wanting everybody to just be friends with the world and let the world in and and just leave Jesus out of it. Okay, you know, just just basically accept everyone for whatever they are, um, because that's what Christ would have done. And, and we know that's not what Christ would have done because Christ stepped on toes. He called out the Pharisees. He stood up for what was right. You know, Jesus even said, He says, "The world will hate you for my namesake." So if there's a pastor who's famous with the world, who hangs out with a bunch of non-believers and celebrities and all that, if there's a pastor that fits into that category, then you've got to question the authenticity of that pastor. Okay, That's right out of Jesus' mouth. He basically blew me off, and I said, is there any way I could I could borrow that DVD or get a copy and watch it? And he put up a wall real quick and was like, no, no, I don't think so. He says, if you want it, you can go buy it. They have it on the website. Numa. It was called Numa, which is a Greek word for spirit. That was the name of his video series, Numa. It was definitely a spirit involved, but it was not the Holy Spirit, was it? <laughs> All right. So I left that place and, uh, you know, I kicked the dust off my feet and moved on. And uh, I started going to a really well-known Baptist church in the area, got involved in the music program. The first red flag that I saw, they were using the NIV. Now, uh, if you are a listener right now and you use the New International Bible version, I mean no disrespect to you, honestly. I, I believe the Lord can, you know, when the Holy Spirit's moving and working, you know, He's going to work no matter what. Um, but I want to encourage you to get yourself a solid translation. The NIV is not a solid translation, okay? There's a I've heard mixed reports from uh, scholars that there's over 8,000 omissions. Um, I've even heard that there's over 200,000 errors. I don't even know how that's possible. But what I do know is that in the book of Isaiah, uh, Satan, Lucifer, is given the title of Jesus. Okay, the same title that Jesus is called in Revelation. So uh, that right there, that's a little, that, that's enough for me. If that was the only error in the whole Bible, folks, that would be enough for me to never want to use that translation again. Um, hopefully, we can, you know, we can talk more about that on another day. But anyway, so the pastor was using the NIV. Uh, I knew so many things that were wrong with the NIV. I even had a pamphlet that I would hand out to people. And uh, the pastor said, well, you know, we probably, when, when, I, when I talked to him, he said, you know, we probably um, use the NIV because um, the majority of people in the congregation have an eighth grade reading level. And I'm sitting back thinking, okay, the average person in the congregation is probably making an average of forty to fifty thousand dollars per person a year. Uh, the, the parking lot is filled with really nice cars. Um, they have good jobs, um, and you're telling me they probably have an eighth grade reading level. Well, when my parents were coming up, they were memorizing and quoting Bible drill scriptures out of the King James version. Little kids, and I worked with some kids, two kids that actually go to my church now, currently. And they were quoting King James Version Bible verses for a WANA program. And one of the ladies, she corrected them and says, eh, somebody get them an NIV. So, you know, eighth grade reading level my butt, okay? <laughs> but I'll say this. I love that pastor. I do believe that he was a man of God. Um, I, I, you know, And he told me he was raised using King James, but he wanted to use the NIV because that's what the church was using when he came on board. Um, I had a little bit of a problem with that, you know, and I wasn't really getting fed over there um, because he was more of a surface preacher. Um, he definitely preached the gospel, I'll say that, um, and I had a good relationship with him, but uh, I was there more so to serve. I was involved in ministry, uh, taught Bible studies, that type of stuff. Anyway, we started having a big conflict because they were having a patriotic service, basically, and uh, the service um, involved coming in and singing songs on a Sunday morning. Okay, we're, we're talking about Sunday morning church, singing songs on Sunday morning uh, that were honoring America, 
And the most Christian thing about it was the word God. Now, you don't have to look very far to see that the God that we talk about on the Kapow Show, we're talking about Yahweh, the Creator God, the one and only, the Most High, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's God. Jesus is God, okay? So you talk about God on the dollar bill, you know, and God we trust, all you know, God of America is not Yahweh. Let me just say that again. The God of America is not Yahweh. There are many gods that fall into the God of America category, of whom the uttermost is probably Lucifer. I tend to believe that the highest ranking people in our country serve Lucifer. So uh, I come into church and there's American flag garb all over the sanctuary. I mean, flags draped everywhere. Um, and, and what's messed up is I was playing drums that day. And uh, I, I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. But I got there and man, it was like everything was American looking, just just flags everywhere. And uh, I got there and I played a, a big uh, choir presentation from Prestonwood. Uh, they're a Baptist church out of Texas. They've got their own production company and, um, you know, big mega church. And they put together a very well produced program. So we had gone through and played all their music. And I will never forget leaving there that day. And I cried. Boy, I cried to God. I felt so guilty. I felt like I had committed adultery. I felt so guilty that I had taken part in that. And so I had come back and I told the leader the following year we had an interim and I told him, I said, look, I, I can't take part in the patriotic service this year because, uh, you know, I told him the story of the previous year. And he ins- he assured me, he goes, look, he said, I, I guarantee you we're not going to do anything that's dishonoring to God. And he said, I'll even give you the lineup. The man was true to his word. Even to this day, I, I really respect that guy. But the following year, we got a new worship leader who was a full-time staff member. And he was so excited about the patriotic service, right? Let me just stop for a second. I, I want to explain to you. I would get emails every week um, with a worship outline, worship service outline. That was the title of the document. And it gave me a week in advance the songs that we were doing and the order we were going to do them. And this particular service coming up, I get the outline and it says patriotic service outline. So Right off the bat, we had replaced the word worship with patriotic. That should have been that should have been a little bit of a, a concern for anybody else who got the same email. And there was about 40 people that got that same email in the orchestra and the choir. So I was pretty concerned about it. Um, I, I met with him and I said, look, I, I don't feel like I can take part in this. And he said, no, no, I can assure you, man. He goes, we really need you here. We really need your playing. I, I assure you it's going to be God honoring. And so he said, I'll even give you the music in advance. So I said, okay, that's cool. So I had, uh, I got copies of the music, the MP3s, and I listened to them. And oh my goodness, I, not even through the first song. And and it, the choir, this is a choir arrangement, and it's singing, praise the Navy, praise the military, praise the Army. I mean, it was just constant. And I mean, it was literally, those were the words. And it was a, a, the whole choir and, and these recordings were singing praises to the Army, the military, the National Guard. Uh, they each had a verse. And, oh, man. So I go on, and I'm listening, and uh, every song was like that. And so I uh, I called him, and I said, look, I said, uh, Travis, I said, can, can we meet um, with the leadership of the church? There was, at that point, there was just uh, three other leaders. I said, can we meet? And he said, yeah, sure. So we met, and it was me, my brother. Uh, I decided to go with my brother and another young man who was also another Bible teacher. He was, he was in seminary at the time. And so there's three young men going before three elderly men in the church. 
Now, when I say elderly, I don't mean old, but they were the leadership. They were considered elders. And so uh, we went and met with them in the conference room at the church. And um, I had made notes. And here's the thing. I had already taken the MP3s and I had sent them to my brother and the other guy so that they could listen to the words uh, beforehand. So we go to the meeting and I said, how can you guys do this? On a Sunday morning, you know, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd have a hard enough time singing these particular songs, um, even anywhere on the church campus, even if it was out of the ball field, you know, it was an outdoor concert. Um, but this was going to be done in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning, replacing a worship service. And I shared, I even had quotes from the songs, the words, and these men, they, you know, they let us talk and then they basically said, look, we hear everything that you're saying, but you know what? God has given us a free country to live in, and we believe that God is going to be honored through this service. And uh, so basically, uh, take it or leave it is what they're basically saying. Love us or leave us. <laughs> so uh, I, I said, look, I don't even need to pray any further about, about my decision. Uh, I will not be playing in this church service. They told us that God was going to be honored. So I had already made my mind up that I was going to go and witness the service, but I was going to be witnessing it from the audience. I would not be playing. Well, he was not happy about that because, uh, yeah, I'm a pretty good drummer. I've been playing drums for quite some time. God has blessed me. And uh, he had gotten accustomed to having a professional drummer. So he was really upset that I wasn't playing, but uh, definitely stood my ground for the Lord. And I won't bend on issues that I'm convicted about. That's the thing. And so uh, the Sunday rolls around. We get into church. And uh, this is so crazy. We walk in. And not only are there American flags all over the place, but the big cross that's hanging over the baptistry, it's covered up by an American flag. I mean, literally, the big old flag draped over the cross. And that's the center point. That's the focus of the room. Then all the choir comes out, and they're all wearing American flags around their neck and American flag ties and do-rags. <laughs> no, no, no uh, there was no do-rags. I was kidding. Uh, but they're pretty much decked out in American flags. And then they do this little propaganda play about our founding fathers being Christians. Listen, if there's anyone out there who believes uh, that our founding fathers were made up of all these godly Christian men, go out and check out the documentaries, Riddles in Stone. Our founding fathers were not godly men, okay? I'm not saying that there was not one or two or three. I, I don't know. I wasn't there. But what I do know is that the big superhero celebrity founding fathers that we keep hearing about, they were they were involved in some pretty heavy wickedness. Okay. Secret societies, cults, um, homosexual orgies. We met with the leadership of the church again um, that following week. We said, look, we need to deal with this right now. So we came back, we met with them and we told them, look, we don't mean any disrespect and we appreciate you taking the time to meet with us, but God was not honored in what you did on Sunday. And furthermore, what took place in our church was you guys led our church in a heresy service. And boy, when I said heresy service, you could if you could just see their eyes. I mean, they lit up, boy. It was like three points for the Holy Ghost. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, that did not go down well. And here we are, kids in their eyes. And they criticized us and said, you know, we appreciate your concern, but God was honored. We know God was honored. And this conversation is over. So uh, with that said... Um, we moved on. Uh, you know, let, let me say one more thing. Because I wasn't playing drums that day, the music minister had to go and hire another drummer who was a kid. And let me just tell you, this guy sucked. I bet Stevie Wonder could play the drums better than this guy. I mean, the guy was offbeat. He was missing licks. I mean, he dropping sticks. I mean, everything was going wrong that could go wrong. Praise God. I prayed against that service. I prayed that it would be a failure. Uh, and, and it was. Because you know what? God will not be mocked. And I understand that these men probably didn't realize the 
heresy they were committing. In their mind, they thought they were doing what was right in the eyes of God. We see, the problem is, so many people get complacent in church these days, and they hear false teaching by so many other quote-unquote leaders in the church, that these things just seem normal. And they get into a pattern of pleasing man, you know, pleasing people. Our calling as Christians is to please God. Uh, I could go on about pleasing God through faith, and faith without works is dead. Yeah, I could go into that, and and that's a great topic. But I want to tell you guys, if you're out there tonight and you truly love the Lord, then your main goal in life needs to be to please your Heavenly Father. It's really quite simple. Uh, Now, pleasing Him can get difficult at times when you start falling into sin. That's why it's important to have a good accountability group okay, or an accountability partner. Uh, Even if you don't have any friends locally, find some that you can keep in touch with. Get involved in a good Bible study. Uh, And if there's no one around locally, then get involved in a good Bible study online. There are uh, materials available. Now, I wanted to go ahead and leave, but my brother said he didn't feel like it was time. The Lord hadn't told him to leave yet. And I was getting a little concerned because I knew the Lord was telling me to go. And uh, But I decided that I didn't want to leave without my brother. You know, we're the Fall Brothers. We have a production company. We work together. We do all kinds of things together. He's my best friend. Love my brother to death. And I stuck around waiting on the Lord to tell him to go, even though God had told me to go already. And that was sin. Let me tell you, I committed sin in that. And a lot of things started to go downhill at that church. The, the point of all this stuff that I'm bringing up, okay, you're, you're saying to yourself, why is, why is Justin telling me all these things about the churches? Because I want you to know that from the time that I accepted Christ in my adult life, from the time that I truly began to walk in righteousness, and being righteous had nothing to do with my actions, okay? I want to be clear about that. We're only made righteous through Christ. And I wanted to live a righteous lifestyle. I wanted to please God. So I started reading my Bible and growing as soon as I made that decision for Christ. That is when the spiritual warfare started. So the whole idea of the purpose-driven life and all these things being pretty and candy-coated as a Christian, that all got shot down. I mean, as soon as I accepted Christ, I started going to these churches and, and, and I found all these problems and I started trying to stand up for the truth. And when I did stand up for the truth, I was mocked. I was mocked by leadership, and they probably were offended as well that that I was a young guy standing up for the truth. But regardless, I'm telling you these things to let you know that as soon as I accepted Christ, the fire came. I was put under fire constantly, and uh, and I was put in situations where I had to stand up for the truth even though I didn't want to. I didn't want those confrontations. Um, and really, uh, all these things, are they're all steeped in, in demonic activity. And that's why it's so important that we stay in the Scriptures constantly so that we can recognize, go back to the movie, They Live. We need to have those glasses that we put on so that we can see everything for what it is. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I would have been in these churches, I would have been complacent, and I would have been involved in the heresy. But God gave me a clear vision, and that's the purpose of me telling you these things, to encourage you to stand up and fight the good fight. So finally we left the church, and we started going to another church. And uh, this church, oh, I loved it. It was called Grace Community. So I'm going to this church. I'm enjoying the, the teachings of the pastor. Like the first couple of weeks, I mean, the music was awesome. Um, they had, uh, he was teaching on, on on angels, and that's so rare. And he was teaching on how angels aren't some little Catholic babies with wings. And, and I'm thinking, all right, preach it, buddy. And uh, he talks about angels, how they're extraterrestrial cosmic warriors. And he had a little transformer in his hand. <laughs> I really enjoyed some of his teachings. And, um, and, and they had a really cool ministry that if you didn't bring your Bible, he would ask you to raise your hand. 
talk about putting people on the spot. And then they would have a Bible cart that would come around and deliver Bibles. Now the translations, eh, not so good. But uh, the teachings, his teachings were pretty good. I really enjoyed it. And uh, all of a sudden, um, my brother and I go to the courthouse one day to get our firearm carry permits. Uh-oh, terrorist alert, Mr. Kapow. He's got a gun. <laughs> so uh, my brother and I, we went to the courthouse to get our, our firearms concealed carry permits. And there's a guy standing in the courtyard of the courthouse, and he was just reading scripture very calmly and politely. And people were walking by him, sneering at him, kind of like the guys in the video, the bullhorn guy. And people were just really judging him. So my brother walks over and starts talking to him. And they struck up a conversation. It was really awesome. And I come back out and my brother's like, hey, this guy uh, used to go to Grace Community where we go. And I was like, oh, sweet. And uh, we were in a hurry because um, the place we had to get our fingerprints around the corner, they were about to close. So we didn't get to talk much about it. But um, as soon as we got done with running our errands that day, my brother told me, he said, look, um, there's some big problems with Grace Community Church. Um, the guy at the courthouse gave me a website to go to that he was part of uh, building the website. And uh, apparently the pastor of the church started a movement that has now swept over the nation called JIQ, Jesus in the Quran. And this is a movement where they, they teach people through they, – they go to Muslims, and they teach Muslims through the Quran who Jesus is. Now, the first problem with that is that the interpretation of Jesus – in the Quran is not the same interpretation that Jesus is in the scriptures. So right off the bat, um, you know, that's a fail, absolute fail. And uh, we did a little more research. And so this is where the crap hit the fan. We're in church one Sunday and they show a video called can Muslims be Christians and still Muslims? Now, the title in itself, I mean, somebody's smoking some crack. <laughs> so I sit there and uh, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, okay, what the heck? You know, what in the world are they about to show us with, with, with a subtitle like that? So basically, they answer the question in the video that, yes, a Muslim can get saved and be a Christian and still be a Muslim. That's a problem. OK, when Jesus, uh, when he was walking around picking up his disciples, uh, you know, scooping them up in the, at the ocean side and, you know, at the tax desk, uh, he, he didn't go over there and tell them, hey, you know, come follow me and, and uh, keep living in sin. No, absolutely not. When Jesus healed people, he would heal them and say, hey, sin no more. Um, that's the Jesus that I read about. Now, that doesn't really sound like the Jesus that they're teaching in this JIQ movement. And so the video itself was very heretical, and um, they had these big conferences. So anyway, I, I started reading a little bit more after that Sunday. Th this is where it really got weird. So they have these big JIQ conferences where you can bring Muslims. Okay, it, It's geared towards bringing in Muslims off the street teaching them Jesus in the Quran, um, and then trying to point to Scripture. Um, and on the surface, that might sound okay to some people, but really it's not okay. Uh, you know, we don't need to use a satanic book um, that misinterprets who Christ is just so that we can try to bring people to Christianity. Because if you come to a false understanding of who Christ is and a false understanding of salvation and you think you're saved, um, you're not really saved. Okay, if you, if you believe in a false Jesus and you call yourself a Christian, then you're not really a Christian, not a true biblical Christian. So uh, it's not okay. So anyway, here, here's where it gets wild. They come in, the, the Muslims come in, they all sit down for the conference, and 
they serve them. This is really crazy. They serve them halal meat. The actual slaughtering of the animal is a um, Islamic ritual, and it's done by a priest. There's a priest involved. So uh, there's nothing good about that. So basically, they're serving food that has been sacrificed to idols in their so-called Jesus meeting. And they're doing that as a sell point to the Muslims. And I, I don't think that's what Paul had in mind when he said, become all things to all men. Okay, I, I, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> maybe I got that wrong. But I don't believe Paul was saying to go serve up uh, food that was sacrificed to idols to these Muslims and then try to tell them about the Jesus that's in their Quran. No, absolutely not. We're supposed to preach the Jesus of the Bible. Paul even said, if any man comes teaching another Jesus than the one we preach, let him be accursed. Let him be anathema. You know, Paul even said if an angel, if an angel comes and teaches any gospel other than the gospel that we teach, let him be accursed. Now, I mean, that just goes to show you right now that there's false religions out there that were started by spirits. Actual spirits and demons have come and brought religion to people, and Paul called it out. He said, let them be accursed. Let them be anathema. You know, Joseph Smith, he claims to have been visited by an angel. That's where he got his uh, Mormon doctrine, apparently. Uh, Muhammad, the great prophet Muhammad, <laughs> he was uh, he was visited by an angel and was given his Muslim doctrine. So Paul made it real clear: let them be a curse, let them be anathema. Let me tell you what we do have in common with the Muslims: we're all sinners. We're all sinners who are in need of grace and mercy. Grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve. That's grace. God gives us what we don't deserve. Now, what is mercy? Mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve. Speaking of punishment, we deserve hell. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. We deserve death because of our sin, but God's not going to give us that death. He's going to give us life through Christ. Christ is a grace gift. Christ paid our debt. So grace and mercy, very important uh, doctrine for uh, Christians. So anyway, um, there were some things that went on there, um, you know, I won't get into, but we ended up leaving the church, and um, I, I wanted to basically explain that, yes, as a Christian, you will be under fire. And if you go to a church where there's heresy going on, and you don't stand up for the truth with Scripture, then you're actually not living up to the Scripture itself, because the Bible teaches to sharply rebuke false teachings, okay? Uh, the book of Jude teaches us to earnestly contend for the faith. Generally, when we hear the word contend or contender, you know, it's in UFC or boxing or some form of uh, mixed martial arts, contenders, okay? We are to be contenders. We are to earnestly, not softly, but to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, I'm challenging you guys to stand up, fight the good fight. Stand on the scripture. You know, we've got a solid foundation in Christ. That's the bottom line. So there's really no chance that we're going to have a situation come upon us as believers that we can't deal with because we've got the Holy Spirit. We've got Christ. We need to make sure we don't act in the flesh on this. It is so easy to get tied up in the flesh. It's so easy to be fleshly when trying to deal with this. You need the Holy Spirit to fight these things because in reality, we're really fighting spirits and principalities. You know, we have got to be a fire burning bright. We have got to have oil in our lamps waiting on the return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So let me just encourage everybody, be strong. Do not be intimidated by wickedness in these days. We've got hope through Jesus Christ. And I'm so excited to be here, so excited to be part of the Kapow Show. You know what? Jesus is coming back. So people get ready. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. That was the pilot episode of the fourth watch. If it didn't cause you to cringe that much, praise God. Uh, if you made it this far, praise God. 
But I just want to thank you all again. It's such a blessing to know that you guys are tuning in every week. And um, I pray that you are continually blessed by the Fourth Watch Ministries. And uh, man, I just, how awesome is it that we're able to use technology? Some of the very things that the enemy uses for bad, we're able to take and use for good to share the gospel. So praise God for that. BDK, thank you again for coming on with me, man. It's so awesome. And uh, we're all praying for you that you get healed from your mononucleosis, if I'm even <laughs> saying that properly. Mono something. Um, mono, we'll just call it mono. How's that? Let's call it mono. Yeah. yeah. Mono <laughs> e mono. All right, BDK. Hey, God bless you, bro. We're praying for you, man. Get well soon. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to share with you shortly how this can be your day of salvation. So stay tuned if you are listening to this show right now and you've never entered in to the family of God. Until the next time we meet again, God bless and good night. If you're listening right now and you haven't accepted the Lord Jesus Christ Yeshua as your personal Lord and Savior, and you haven't accepted his holy sacrifice on the cross to pay for your sins, it is absolutely impossible for you to have a solid understanding of his word. It's also impossible to find protection from the demonic realm and the days that are fast approaching, friends. And furthermore, it is impossible for you to have peace with Yahweh, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. You can start anew right now. You can repent of your sins and you can have the wages of your sins paid in full. Now is the time to repent and turn away from your sins and make right with the will of God. The Bible actually declares that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we must take action with the time that we have right now. Repentance is the first step, regardless of what you may have heard. This means turning 180 degrees from your past thoughts, actions, and lifestyles that are in opposition to the Most High God. Understand that repentance is a process, and it is absolutely attainable because of the grace and mercy and power of God. Because of Jesus Christ and his once and for all sacrifice, you can be forgiven of all of your iniquity and every sin you've ever committed. Yahweh is a jealous God, but he is also rich in mercy. And tonight, if you're willing to admit your wrongs and repent, he is willing to meet you right where you are, and he will show you that mercy right now, friends. The wages of our sin is death, but tonight we can receive the gift of God, which is eternal life, but only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. I am so thankful that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross, a living sacrifice who shed his sinless and perfect blood to pay the debt of our sins, which offers us the ability to be seen as blameless before God on that day of judgment. And make no mistake, there will come a day of judgment, ladies and gentlemen. Let today be the beginning of your communion and peace with God as you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you can begin putting on the armor of God and growing in an intimate relationship with Him. It is the will of God that you don't perish, but rather that you repent and enter into a relationship with Him based on His terms. If you're not sure of what God's terms are, I want to challenge you to start reading your Bibles and learn firsthand what God expects from you. If you don't have a Bible, we highly recommend that you pick up a King James Bible 
which is easy for anyone to find. Jesus Christ is our only hope, friends, and my prayer is that you believe on him tonight. That's the most important part of the show and by far the most important decision you will ever have to make in this life. Amen. It's been an interesting adventure tonight, and I sure hope you've all enjoyed this broadcast. If you ever miss a show or would like to go back and re-listen to an old one, every show is archived on our website, fourthwatchradio.com, all spelled out, F-O-U-R-T-H-W-A-T-C-H-R-A-D-I-O.com, fourthwatchradio.com. There you'll find links to multiple streaming options, and every broadcast is dated and summarized for your convenience. Everything we offer is completely free, including our mobile apps for Apple and Android devices. You can easily click the link on the website to be taken to whichever app store applies to your device. Be sure to stay tuned in every Thursday for all the latest shows. Like us on Facebook and feel free to add my personal page as well. If the Fourth Watch is ministered to you and you would like to help support this ministry, you can follow the donate link on our website. I bid you all a week filled with grace and peace in the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see you all next week. God bless and good night. You're listening to The Fourth Watch with Justin Fall on The Fourth Watch Radio Network.